Hello lovely and welcome to Notes from a Small Room, the podcast from Salemni Co Studio hosted by me, Alexandra Spear. First of all, I hope you've had a good holiday, um, however you celebrate this time of year. Personally, I celebrate you and I don't put much pressure on New Year's as I prefer to work with the astrological calendar. But I always think this time of year is a great period to spend around the home wherever that may be for you, and to reconnect with distant friends and family. So, wherever you're listening to this, I hope you've got a cosy cup of something, a warm blanket, and nothing too stressful on your mind. In this episode, I'm going to be looking at the conversations around self-love that they do put on t-shirts, the increasingly affluent markets for self-care, self-love and self-worth, which, while sometimes a great enhancement to the work we're already doing on ourselves, aren't the quick or easy fix that they claim to be. I will be looking at how much the industry makes, next to why the visual commodity of self-love is actually doing more harm than good. On that note, let's get on with the episode. So, the term self-love was first coined in 1539, That's 300 years before the term self-care came into the use in 1841. To give you an idea of how lucrative the idea of self-love is, the self-improvement market in the USA alone measured $11.6 billion in 2020. The generations most obsessed with self-love, self-care and self-worth are Gen Z and millennials. This is great because it means that the awareness of the importance of self-worth is growing again, but there is a bit of a skewed message going around. So what is the skewed message? Well, let's start with a few basic ideas revolving around social media. Self-love is not bubble baths. It's not spending thousands of pounds on a car that makes you feel cool for five seconds. It is not the latest handbag. It's not the partner with abs who you never see. It's not the million pound holiday, the perfect selfie, or tens of thousands of followers on your page. It is what social media would never accept. It's the thing that the algorithm doesn't like, and it's what is socially... um, I don't want to say stigmatised, but it's certainly not perceived as cool. Because self-love is being able to sit with yourself in silence, everything off, no one around, and to like the person you're sitting with, and to feel whole in the presence of yourself, to not feel the need to run away, to accept yourself, to be at peace with yourself, that is self-love. And you can't put that feeling in a selfie, you can't put it in a video, you can't, like, you can't get millions of pictures for that feeling because it's something that social media can't quantify but it does quantify the watch the car the apartment the partner the clothes the outings the crazy nights all those things it puts pressure on people to do which is why we have an epidemic of depression, of anxiety, low self-worth, and a completely skewed vision of self-love. 
You cannot buy self-love on a rack and a half price sale. You can't rub it into your skin as a serum. You can't swipe right to find it staring back at you. That is not the way it works. Believe you me, I wish it was as easy as wearing a hoodie with the words self-love is my superpower or self-love is self-care emblazoned across my chest and within five seconds of wearing this hoodie, the words would have travelled to my brain via osmosis, releasing endorphins while I gaze at myself adoringly in the mirror, never to hate on myself again. But it doesn't work like that. Trust me, I've tried it. I cannot tell you how annoyed it makes me that we have simplified self-love to pretty little quotes, to handy slogans and hashtags, because it takes away from the magnitude of self-love. And yes, I am guilty of using the hashtags, of loving the little quotes, of like buying into the slogans, but it's also come with the realization that other people's words will never express the way that you view self-love for yourself and that's partly what it is you know you can buy into the algorithm you can do all of that so long as you understand that that's not all it is and we've made self-love the latest fashionable commodity and like all fashions we buy it cheap and throw it out in a month because it's not the real thing If you're going to buy a beautiful coat, for example, you want to buy one that will last. You want ethical craftsmanship, cruelty-free fabrics. You want tough stitches, durable linings. If you struggle with how you view self-love, and most people do, because it's one of those things that, because it's so personal, it's very hard to quantify, it's very hard to visualise because there is nothing physical about it it's pure sensation so if you struggle with viewing it view it as a luxury item view it as a luxury item that few will ever truly own everyone will want and most will scorn because they do not understand its true value once you see it as that something which everyone could get if they put in the time, the energy, the work, the self-control, you'll maybe find it easier to understand. Because if you have a luxury item, and a luxury item doesn't have to be Louis Vuitton or uh, Valenciaga or any of those couture houses, sometimes a luxury item is just an artisan piece of jewellery, it's a watch, that isn't a Rolex, it's a bag that you found in a little Paris store. Okay, luxury is a very subjective thing, just like self-love, love, beauty, all of that jazz is. So when I say a luxury item, this isn't me saying a well-known brand, this is me asking you to understand what you view as a luxury item, and then to equate this to self-love so if you have a luxury item you take care of it you keep it clean you make sure it's in the right environment kind of like a plant so you get the idea (laughs) if you can't buy self-love you can only achieve it 
and that's where it all gets a little bit sticky. We put too much of our social worth on what our money can get us. At the end of the day, this is no fault of our own. It's the nature of all animals to use social status as a way to attract a mate. But since we're no longer finding mates as a necessity to procreate, why don't we take a little look at the social structure and how it reflects archaic needs which are no longer necessary? So, we attend an education system that teaches us how to spend money but not, to, but not how to accrue wealth. We're given a limited range of subjects, 80% of which we don't naturally excel at, and we are all given the same test, and our worth is rated in the score which we achieve on those generic exams. After this, we get in jobs to make money. Not wealth, money. The title of our role and salary denote the apartment we can rent, the transport we can take, the quality of the clothes we wear, the food we consume, the individuals we come into contact with, and therefore the potential mate we can choose. Everything does in the end come down to our ability to attract a mate. This is purely biological and that's not me um, overlooking how society has evolved, um, especially in the LGBTQ community with um, asexual individuals. This is just the basic um, concrete level of society, which is... Um, we attract um, objects around us so as to have more sexual value. That's basically what it is on a purely biological level. Um, So, unfortunately, while our technology has evolved, our brains are a little bit slower so we still don't measure one another by more soulful criteria it's very physical it's very visual um which is why we put so much stock into objects so things like a rolex um it's not you looking at the person and for want of a less um deep image measuring their soul and going does this person's soul attract my soul um we're incredibly object driven which means that we'll look at the shoes we'll look at the watch um is it a rolex or is it like a bargain basement plastic one it's very very surface level and that's no fault of our own but we now have the ability to evolve our brains to a higher level because it is no longer necessary to mate purely on visuals In fact, it's better if we don't, because otherwise we are sticking in this constant loop. And a mate is a choice that we make based on mainly visual clues. Hence why we put so much stock on the shirt they wear, whether they can coordinate their socks and their shoes. Um, If they wear socks and sandals, that's a big no-no. Everyone knows that. Um, What sort of haircuts? the shirt, the trousers, the car, it all means something. But, and this is my question to you, does it have to mean everything? So what does this have to do with self-love? Well, 
We judge ourselves on what we can and cannot afford. And because our paycheck is intrinsically linked to our perceived social status and therefore our value, we have a huge complex when it comes to how we view and love ourselves next to the money we do and do not earn because it accrues to our sexual worth and therefore the mate we attract and therefore um, our self-worth and our self-love because society is still very much um, embedded in that very primitive um, outlook on life. So, because our paycheck is intrinsically linked to our perceived social status and therefore our value, we put a lot of stock on the stuff that we do and do not own. That's next to the opportunities we do and do not have because of the stuff we do and do not own. However, money is a whole other episode and I want to focus on how consumerism took hold of self-love, self-care and self-worth. What each of these at their core are and how we decided to monetize upon it. Money is a huge subject and I do really want to look at it because it is so mixed up in our views of self-worth, self-love, self-care, um, and everything really. So I will be doing a separate episode on that. But carrying on, um, what consumerism did to self-love is pretty much what religion did to faith and what big business did to the individual. Everything pure and real and authentic about self-love, self-care and self-worth was taken out as soon as it became a commodity. And because we're still grappling with the awareness of self-love, self-worth and self-care, which I think comes down to once the self is out of survival mode. Um, So bear in mind that the entire culture of the individual is still in its infancy um, and we don't know how to go about handling this new relationship so our brains are still stuck in this very primitive space while the outward perception of society has evolved but it hasn't really. If I haven't explained that well, um, I'll I'll try again. So because the individual and the idea of the individual is still in its infancy, it's a new relationship for the modern world. Um, In the ancient world and certainly ancient communities that were founded on more individualistic and journey-based prophecies, there was a strong focus on the connection between the self and the world around, or the universe, or God, or whatever you want to call it. They didn't need quotes on t-shirts or miracle gels to help them get this. There were scriptures and teachers and lessons handed down from generation to generation, but there was not this minus consumption, which was blindly searching for a deeper meaning without knowing how to get it and without knowing where to get it. And because we don't have teachers in the ancient sense, most of us are basically running around like headless chickens because we know that there's something more out there but we don't know how to get it and we haven't yet learned how to, for want of a better term, level up. So as to be more aware and to connect to those opportunities and that, yeah, that that other part of our brain, which we know we can access, but we don't know how. 
The sad thing is that society has put so much status on these objects that we are killing ourselves, sometimes very literally, because we cannot get them. From a young age, children are asked what job they want to do. But they aren't asked what they want to feel. They aren't asked the legacy they want to leave. They aren't asked the relationship they want to have with themselves. Instead, we are instantly ferrying them into the system And the system doesn't care about the individual. It only cares about the bottom line. It promotes the idea of the individual because this idea means that competition is heightened if people believe that individualistically they can achieve. And even though humans are pack animals pack animals also have a hierarchy and if you promote the idea of individualism you get people fighting other people and fighting themselves rather than working with other people and working with themselves to achieve what they want to achieve but to achieve it at a better rate Again, I may not have explained that well, but um, yeah, you get the idea. The statistic is what society cares about. No matter what may be said about individuals, it's a statistic at the end of the day, which is why the system is still in place that um, promotes education. It promotes um, a certain faction of Um, of career because it promotes a system that keeps us shuttered from ourselves and that is what self-love and consumerism has done it has put pressure on people to present themselves in a certain way so as to prove that they have got self-love they have got inner peace they have got self-worth Again, we're back to that idea of social media. So self-worth and self-love have become images. Images of suntan jet setters on a white sand beach um, against a sunset with someone who society deems would be compatible visually. Not soul level compatible, visually compatible. It's come down to... um, a 20 second reel of someone opening uh, a luxury handbag and things like that it's come down to like um incredibly expensive spa retreats massages holidays things like that you shouldn't have to go on a holiday to escape from your life if you are happy with your life you shouldn't have to spend large amounts of money on an object if you are content with your life because an object is at the end of the day an object and you should use objects but you should not love them the way that you love people you should not protect them the way that you protect people and the reason why it's all become so skewed and I believe this is a quote from the Buddha is because we started treating things as people and people as things 
And that's never going to help someone's self-worth, self-love or self-care if they are told that they're not enough because they don't have this brand, that brand. They're not doing this. They're not doing this. Oh, they're not on that beach smiling with, um, you know, a private plane and things like that. And if you look into it, you'll find that the people who are doing that are also low on self-love, low on self-worth, low on self-care. And it's that integral thing of human greed once you learn to control the greed and it is a very natural thing it's hardwired into your brain to want more because that's what you needed to survive when our ancestors were cavemen basically like if you you know if you found a tree that was growing fruit you didn't just take one you took as much as you could carry because you needed to survive but we're not well most of us aren't in survival mode anymore and so to to get hold of the grip that consumerism has over you and over your worth you have to get hold over that greed otherwise it will control your life and the things which greed will get you These are things which, energetically, you can't feel. Whereas the things which you can feel energetically, these are the things that aren't valued enough and should be valued more than the handbags, the apartments, the cars, the watches, things like that because these are the things that will increase your self-love and your self-worth. The things which are more important in life are the things which your eyes can't actually see. And so we come to the crux of the matter. You do not need to spend money to get self-love. You do not need to spend a single penny. This doesn't mean to say you shouldn't, I've spent hundreds of pounds on various things which have seriously helped my self-love, self-worth and self-care journey. But none of them started off as purchases. They started off as realisations I had which were triggered by interacting with other people. For example, I didn't start self-care until someone showed me it was a way to look after my body rather than a vanity thing. Before that, I'd been taught that self-care was vanity. I didn't go to therapy despite needing it for years until I put myself in a situation I thought I was ready for but wasn't with someone who like helped me realise that and I realised that I got as far as I could by myself but now is the time to call out for extra help to get me to the place I wanted to be. I didn't go for a massage until my back was literally bent double and my shoulders were aching because again I needed that realisation of, oh, this is what my body needs. It comes down to what you need rather than what you want. You might need a bag. You might want the um, designer couture handbag. But do you need it? Or will spending that money actually give you just a two-second dopamine hit? And then you'll feel depressed because you'll realise what you could have done with the money. Because money is energy. 
and what you spend money on, you are spending energy on. And that is, that is the true transaction. And that is why it's important to view objects in the same way that you would view any other transaction. But it's not, it's not a transaction physically, it's an energetic transaction. Okay? My question to you in the last episode was what are five things that you want from a romantic relationship that you can give yourself right now? So did you do any of the things that you listed? I listed get myself a bouquet, take myself out to brunch, go somewhere new, orgasm, and give myself affection. Or get affection. (laughs) You know the best thing but the things you probably listed is they probably don't cost much money the things which you really want won't cost much money in fact they should be free so really there's no excuse to not do these things for yourself and we're very good at making excuses for not being kind to ourselves aren't we and that's what we need to unlearn and that's what the commodity of self-love in the consumer market is teaching us that we need to not be kind to ourselves or we need to invest in these things so as to be kind to ourselves. But that's not how it works. Consumerism and objects are supposed to be enhancements. They are not supposed to be the be-all and end-all of your self-love practice. The greatest thing that you can do for yourself and others is to give yourself everything you need and find peace in yourself outside of the system that you have been brought up in and taught to conform to. The question I want to ask you this week is, where do you feel judged by others in your life? I'll give my answer next time and I look forward to having another conversation in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button and get more from Notes from a Small Room, the podcast that has the self-love conversations they wouldn't put on a t-shirt. Bye, lovely.